Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Sometimes we feel like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never see. That's right, just keep on breathing. Broadcasting from Huntington Beach, California, and from New York City, coast to coast, a big welcome to the Big Apple from L.A. to all our listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave Nassani on the Caregiver Day Radio Show, coming to you live from the syndicated all-positive talk radio network, HealthyLife.net, broadcasting in all 50 states and 135 countries with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg from the CaregiverSpace.org. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. See, she's there. And just a reminder <laughs> that all our shows are available on demand at HealthyLife.net and our membership website, CaregiverDave.com. And we are proud, very, very proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com as well as number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And if you go right now to caregiverdave.com, our free burnout quiz, as well as my first book about overcoming hardships and an audio uh, about, what's the audio about, you might ask? An audio about how to fall asleep and stay asleep are absolutely free. So do that right now while listening to our show, if you can do two things at one time like chew gum and talk, which I can't. Anyway, we have an exciting show planned for you today. We will be interviewing a mom of 18 discussing what it's like being a caregiver. Jen Taylor is a mom of 18. Yeah, really. Host of the Naked Podcaster Show. And yes, she really is naked. Not today, though. No, Uh, I mean really the mother of 18. Yeah, she'll she'll explain. (laughs) Coach, speaker, author, Learning the story behind the person is a true passion. Jen has 15-plus years in the foster care sector as both a parent and a trainer and has written a blog for over eight years and has had her podcast for three years and is a published author of a self-help memoir. Hello, my name is Warrior Princess. But first, I want to take this opportunity to thank my last guest, Victoria Price, daughter of the great Vincent Price. Our topic was Living Love, the Heart-Centered Practice of Self-Care. And you can watch or listen to that interview on our website and on HealthyLife.net and any of our interviews there on CaregiverDave.com. Although, not although, all right, enough of that. Sometimes I just make myself laugh. Okay. You're Jen, welcome to the show. Well. <laughs> Thanks. Sometimes you make all. me laugh, too. I'm, I'm, I'm old just... enough to make everybody laugh. Exactly. So I'm so excited to have you on, not just because you're naked, which you're not naked, 
But, I know. What um, a disappointment, huh? Well, you know. <laughs> I life mean, is you know. full of disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to ask my guests to take a minute or two and just tell us who the heck is Jen Taylor and why was she put on this earth? You ready for that one? Wow. I mean, wow. let's just start out barrels blazing. Yeah. I am mom of 18, and I am a naked podcaster, and you would think that those two things don't go together well, however. Um, I started the podcast three years ago because I had written a book, and I really wanted people to get their stories out, and um, not everybody wants to write a book, so you kind of get to write a book with me in an hour, but... Five years ago, three of my kids came forward and... Uh, three of your 18 kids. Okay, go ahead. Three of the 18, yes. And six of them I had with my now ex-husband. And they had allegations that their dad had been abusive. Oh. I wasn't there, so I'm calling it an allegation because I I, I don't need to be sued. <laughs> so but you're saying uh, their dad was abusive to them. Yeah, Okay. And I got custody of them. Yeah. Well, of the, those six, I had custody of others. Right. I mean, it's a it's a branch. Eighteen kids is a branching tree, right? So I got custody of them, and then the the following year, I wrote my book, and it's about my life growing up in dysfunction. And I really wanted to just let people know that they're not alone, and help by building a toolbox which we all do when we're going through struggles, and let them know what my toolbox was in the hopes to help someone else. And I really wanted to be an example to my kids and let them know that they weren't alone in their struggle, even if the issue is different. So a huge part of who Jen Taylor is, is that I love the story behind the person. I love knowing what that is. I love hearing the struggle, not because it's, I mean, sometimes it can be a terrible thing to hear, but because we're so great at having 100% success of getting through every single struggle and building that toolbox of skills. And so many people, even within their struggle, want to turn around then and help other people. And that's what a gift that people are giving. And that resonated with me and who I was. And I wanted my kids wow. to feel unafraid of sharing their story. Cool. That's, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. so caregivers, you know, are usually finding themselves at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, yeah. So how do caregivers, in your opinion, how should they stay sane uh, when they aren't exactly top priority? And that's a tough one, right, because you have other priorities that come before yourself. And I think the easiest thing is to first find what you like. So, Dave, I know a little thing about you. You like riding your bike. That's right. Okay. Really I'm a runner. So, yeah. I used <laughs> to be a runner till my knees and my ankles started hurting. Now, now I ride a bike. See, there you go. And it can shift. That's another thing that you need to understand. But first you need to find something that you really love to do that kind of feeds your soul. And I love a physical activity just because that kind of combines, for me, being outside, which is really healthy for you, and kind of being physical and and detaching from the things that are stressful and being able to, you know, just download how you're feeling into something physical. So you find what what do you like, what do you have the ability to do, and then you carve out the time. And people have time for a lot of different things. So if I have time to watch a show on Netflix, then I have time to run. So then you need to make it a priority. I put everything on the calendar, 
I love the calendar. And uh, I run with a women's group. And before COVID-19, we ran every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I, kn- I know what time we run. I know where we meet. I don't need to keep that on my calendar. I do because I'm reminding myself that I'm a priority and I'm maintaining accountability. And so I put everything on my calendar. So when you're not the time top priority, oftentimes you have to schedule it in and make an appointment with yourself and treat it like a doctor's appointment, something you wouldn't miss. Yeah. So find love, what you love and then make I love make that term you used, I am a priority. If so many yeah. more caregivers would just say, I am a priority, maybe they could program in their brain that they need to put themselves first, put their oxygen mask on first, and so on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a I great, mean, from uh, from the Bible to the airplane, there are many, many <laughs> examples of making sure that you put your oxygen mask on yourself first, and yet we don't. And and that's the the number one way I think that you can't be the best for the people you're taking care of. So you actually preach, uh, practice what you preach, I should say. I do. Because uh, being a mother of 18, you know, it's like um, eight is enough times two. <laughs> right. And we know the issues that they had on the TV show. But how do, how do you, being outnumbered 18 to one, uh, take care of yourself as a parent? And because if you could do it as a parent, you could certainly do it as a caregiver, which I, yeah. you are a caregiver, right? One of your kids um, is autistic. Correct. Right? I have an autistic son. How did I yes, know that? That's true. <laughs> uh, we, we've stalked each other prior. Yeah, so we both know about <laughs> each other. <laughs> I am. I, I've had some kids that are a little high need, and even when they're not, I, I, I say the word parent, and that translates equally to the word caregiver. Uh, my right. experience predominantly has been with children, but I've taken in a lot of foster kids. I was a foster parent for 12 years, and then I trained parents. And so wow. um, I certainly worked with some of the toughest kids in the foster care system, and they come with a lot of high needs and are high maintenance. And I think taking time for yourself again, so you've figured out what you wanted. Maybe it's drawing, even though I think something physical is really, really beneficial on more uh-huh. levels, but you figure out what it is, and you schedule the time. I get up to run at 4.30 in the morning. Whoa. Now, I'm lucky that I'm a morning person, but that doesn't mean 4.30 looks pretty, and I do it because I am a priority, and that is the time that is the easiest for me to carve out outside of taking care of my kids. So if you're a night person, then just flip it around. Flip that script and do it at 1030. But there are are hours in the day to do it if you set boundaries and you set priorities. And and I just did that. I never did not do that. I knew that there was no way that I could be the best version of a caretaker without taking care of myself first. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I don't get up at 4 in the morning either, but... Monday, I got up at 3 a.m. because I had to be on the air at 4 a.m. because it was <laughs> a 7 go. o'clock New York show at, at <laughs> you know, three hours uh, uh, difference in L.A. going the wrong direction. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do it when I have to do it. And when I have to book TV shows, sometimes the, the producers are in the graveyard shift, so I've got to set my clock at 2 a.m., go back to sleep, and then set it again at 3 a.m., go back to sleep. It's like a caregiver who gets up during the night for their mm-hmm. loved ones. So you do what you have to do, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's not easy, but, hey, what are you going to do? So finding the time for you, me, everybody, 
Um, how do you fit it in your schedule? I mean, you're talking about all these things you do. You're running. You've got a calendar. So do you actually write down uh, me time, uh, you know, yeah. manicure, massage? Just put it in the calendar, right? I do. It's not I there, put every, it, it doesn't. It doesn't get well. It's a way to hold yourself accountable and a way to remind yourself that you're a priority. So for me, a calendar works really well. And I use my. I used to have like the the printed off, you know, hang on your wall. And now I use Google Calendar. Either way, though, I I block my time out in ways that I can make sure, one, that I get everything done and I can do it in a way that's not overwhelming, but I'm holding myself accountable. The things on the calendar are priorities and you want to be a priority. So I don't know what other people's schedules are. I know I'm a morning person and I have a group that runs in the morning, thankfully. Even if I weren't a morning person, though, that is the time that I would have to schedule to do it. It's also Mm -hmm. the time that I'm not taking care of my kids as much because they're still sleeping. So I capitalized on being a morning person and using that time in the morning to get things done. When they, I wasn't able to leave the house, I have a treadmill in our garage. I don't like it. It's not my favorite, but I do have it. So you have to kind of roll with it sometimes with what you're given in the situation you're given and your calendar and what's natural to you if you're a morning person or a night person. Like you said, okay, your time, you had a certain time that you could get things done, and so you capitalize on that time. It's not always the most ideal, but doing it is better than not doing it. So it's worth that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned something, and I forgot what I was thinking um, I, about putting it I in your – oh, I, I, wait, but I'm going to lose it. One second. Write it down, Adrian, so you don't lose it because <laughs> we both lose our things. Um, you said, um, I wanted to keep myself accountable. That's a very interesting remark because a lot of people think just making a list means making a list. And if it gets done, it gets done. If it doesn't, oh, well. But what does it mean, making yourself accountable? So you go back to that list at the end of the day and you say, okay, what have I accomplished? What have I not accomplished? And explain that process and how you beat yourself up for the stuff that you didn't get done and how you reward yourself for the stuff that you did get done. I love crossing the the thing off the list. Oh, that's so much fun. To the point that if I do something that's not on the list, it was extra, I'll write it down and cross uh, it off. Yeah. Even yeah, if I too. throw the list away, yeah, I'm one of those people. So the first thing that I did was set uh, limitations. So I mentioned the word boundaries. One thing is that you can't be everything to everyone and get everything done all at one time. So I learned when I had lots of kids in the house that I could accomplish three things in a day. That was totally manageable, unless it's like cleaning out the entire garage, you know, or right. or raking five acres. Okay, so manageable, <laughs> again. But I would, in the evening, and I've been doing this for 25-plus years now, so in the evening, I look around my house and I think, what are the top three things that need to get done? So, uh, you know, yesterday morning was uh, emptying the dishwasher and sweeping the floor. I only actually had two. So... Up to three things, and I have a couple categories. And so if you have three categories and three things in each category, generally there's not an issue. So I made sure that I set it up for me so that I didn't go to my list at the end of the day and beat myself up. I set a manageable list, a list that I could accomplish on almost nine out of ten days. On the days that that doesn't happen, you look at the why, and generally there are things that happen that are out of your control, and I just don't beat my – I choose to not beat myself up 
If I hadn't unloaded the dishwasher or checked something off of that list that needed to get done, I'm just not going to beat myself up. It can go on the next day. But I, I do that with business. I do that with podcasts. I, with everything, I create a list of three things in each category a day. See, I'm doing it wrong. I'm, I've got 10 things on my list. Sometimes I have 20 things on my list. One day I had 30 things on my list. And I don't know, I got maybe five of them done, six of them done, but they carried over for the next day. And then I realized that some of these aren't really urgent. So I, I put those at the bottom of the list. I'll, so I'll number one to 30. Yeah, I'll number I do. one to 30. Yeah. I'll put the important stuff, you know, starting with one. I'll put the unimportant yeah. stuff starting mm-hmm. with number 30 and working my way up. And then I can see what is but uh, that's a good idea. Don't set yourself up for failure. Now, Adrian, what were yeah. you going to say? That's what I was saying. If you have your priorities in, in the right place, you know, you, you put down what really needs to be done, and then there are the other things that really have to be done, but not necessarily at that minute or on that day. Yes. And some people are fanatics uh, about uh, paper Paper lists. It's got to be on paper because i got to see it. But right. um, was it a transition for you to go from paper <laughs> to Google? Because let's face it, Google, you can't see it unless you do some manipulation on the screen. And it's not like a paper that's constantly staring at you, mocking you, you know, or whatever, reminding you. Uh, not if it's in the to, other room. <laughs> or you can make sure that paper follows you around wherever you go. It's not like a screen. you got to open the app. <laughs> And then you got to go to the right page and this and that. It, it hides well, right? So how is it for you going from paper to um, electronic data? Was it hard? I'm a hybrid. I haven't gone. I use the Google Calendar, and that is on my phone, and it is not hard to look at at all. But yeah. depending on what my lists are, I do use Notepad. I have an Apple. I have an iPhone and a MacBook. And so they sync, which I right. I love that feature. So I use Notepad yeah. a lot, but I also have in my desk drawer a stack of index cards. So that's what I write our menu planning and our grocery lists on. Mm. Um, that's what I use to do each month's budget. That's what I use. So I, I am a hybrid. I The list of things yeah. that need to get done, I generally use on an index card. Yeah, so the idea of getting rid of paper, like they told us in the 70s, was wow. just a myth. You can't not get rid 100%. of paper. Not 100%. Yeah. Not for me, not, 100%. Not even 50. Yeah. And, I, and I've gotten rid of a lot of it, but, uh, you know, I still like the list that I'm going to throw away. I like to cross them off. And there's something very satisfying about writing it down, crossing it off, and throwing it away. So I still do that. And I still have physical journals also. Nothing's taking the place of physically writing. I hand wrote a letter today also. So. Really? Yep. Yeah, so I still do a little of the handwriting, the letters. I write my journal down. But you I also stuck it in an envelope? A I paper did. envelope? I With a stamp. You, you wrote yeah. an address on it? <laughs> I Put did. a return and address and a stamp? Yes. You walked I, to the mailbox? Uh, all the way across the street oh my from my house. It was crazy. I know. I know. I'm out of control. But I think How many stamps do you keep in your drawer just as a backup, you know? I buy the book, and I don't know how many are in the book, and when it runs out, <laughs> I buy another book. So I don't know. I don't. Oh, I mean, I, I know I have one left. So I need to put that on my some. list. 
Yes, yeah, put that I on your list. It's going on the list. One more thing to curl. I can curl. send you some. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That'd be great. I have an inventory. Well, I, I would love them. I, uh, I think that Especially if they're free. No kidding. Like, I don't have to put it on my list and buy it, right? It doesn't go into the budget. I think there's there's a lot of um, scientific proof behind the art of physically writing compared to typing. And I didn't I handwrite my book. I'm typing. You know, I mean, obviously there are yeah. some things that just make so much sense. I'm much faster typing than I am writing. But I think that there are some things that are just more important for brain chemistry to write down. And so, mm-hmm. yes, I still do mail a letter, everyone. I don't know if the person can read it, but I did write it. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. It's a different kind of flow when it comes yeah. from up here to out through the pen. pen so, so doing this show was on your list somewhere, right? It was on you my reserved, calendar. You reserved this day and this hour. So yeah. what would you normally be doing at this time if you weren't on the show? I would be reading. I, I like I, and I've said before. And we she all has time to read too, Adrian. Everybody does. I, I don't have more time. Not everybody today. does. Uh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> we can all structure our lives in ways that are more beneficial to us. So yeah. right now, I'm homeschooling my daughter who's in fourth grade, and so I just mm-hmm. block my time. Five to eight is my time that I that I get work done. Um, that I exercise, you know, there's a whole list of things that go in that three-hour block. And from 8 to 9.30, we do the get ready, walk the dog whole routine, eat breakfast. And from 9.30 to 1.30, I homeschool. And I'm, um, and it usually doesn't take quite that long. We do take a lunch break and a walk break in there. Um, And, yeah, and then from 1.30 on, it's recess. I do recess. We have a basketball hoop in the backyard. (laughs) So we do recess, we get the dog out, we get the kid out, we walk everyone. So I just, I I structure my day in the way that it makes sense for me. So from yeah. about one thirty or 2 o'clock until dinner time, I go back to working on business. I go back to do, that's when I do podcast interviews. That's when I, whatever needs to be done. And I just have that, I have the time blocked and I have a list of things that I can plug into that time. And uh, reading about we're take ten a, pages a day. That's one wow. of my things. Yeah, ten pages a day. And you enjoy it, yeah. I do. Some people I don't love. enjoy. Some people don't enjoy yeah. reading, and that's why they don't do it. But well, so audible. We'll take a short break. Yeah. We can short, mm-hmm. take a short break, and we'll talk about organization because you're a very organized person, and yeah. not not many people are, and not caregivers. So we'll be right back. Do not go away. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. 
Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and caregiverdave.com. You're listening to HealthyLife.net. Millions of listeners know the secret. Now you do, too. Positive talk, 24 hours a day, every day. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with my co-host Adrian Gruberg. I'm Dave Nassani and our lovely guest, the naked podcaster and mother of 18, Jen Taylor. You are very organized. Were you born organized or did it just come uh, with, you know, years of training and learning and and uh, something else that I can't think of the word. Children? <laughs> I have a chicken or egg question. I don't know if I was innately organized or the kids forced me to learn how to be organized. I'm not sure which was which. But I can tell you a defining moment. I, I had lots of kids at home, and I was washing 30 cups a day. Like, just, we were going wow. through so many cups, 30. right, in the dish. Sure. At least. It was crazy. And I thought, you know, when you use a cup, it's fine to use a cup for the day. So right. I color-coded my kids. And I had to, I had to yeah. look at, okay, here is my pain point. My pain point is I don't want to be doing this many dishes. I don't want to be washing this many cups. I have a lot of kids, and I need to decrease the amount of work that I'm doing. So the first thing that I recommend is finding your pain point. Same thing goes with not having enough time to read 10 pages of a book or wanting to get some sort of physical exercise, okay? You figure out the pain point, and then you decide – what things you can use as solutions. For me, in that instance, it was color coding. I mean, Brianna will always be purple. Taylor will always be blue. Nicholas yeah. will always be yellow. I mean, mm-hmm. I can tell you all my kids' You've got 18 different colors? 18 different well, colors? Well, no. I mean, we did have to have some spares. We did rotate through. We probably had about <laughs> 10 colors. But that tremendously reduced my workload. 
and my stress and where was and whose cup is this and you know so I I just figured out the pain point and then the solution. It was the same way yeah. with laundry. It was the same way. I mean, once I color coded, Taylor's laundry basket was blue, Nicholas's was yellow, and so you wash it, dry it, put it back in the basket to put it away. So I would find things that I was spending a lot of time or that I was frustrated about. And washing all those cups, you know, I was frustrated about washing so many cups every day, filling a dishwasher. So that may sound silly, but when you have something that takes a tremendous amount of time and effort and energy and is really frustrating and it's a silly thing, that makes it even worse, you need to figure out, okay, that's the pain point and what is the solution. We have Internet now where my oldest biological daughter is 28, and I didn't have the luxury of Internet at that point, you know, back when I started this. But we can search for ways to get past a pain point. And we can, you know, all that. I had a chore wheel growing up I, with the kids growing up. I, I mean, I just did everything that I could to make it as streamlined and easy, but it was reducing my frustration. That's not yeah. the space that I wanted to live in, in that frustration mm-hmm. and stress. And so every pain point, I would just write it down and then try to determine what could I do about it. And in that created organizational systems, which I I love systems. They help mm-hmm. things work in a streamlined, easy way where you don't have to put much thought into them and it reduces your stress. So I don't know which one came first. If I, I'm pretty sure I was fairly organized even as a kid, but definitely mm-hmm. – this was like high-end organizational skills, just yeah. based on what what was really frustrating me. So anybody should be writing. So, you should be writing for Real Simple Magazine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I should be. We'll let good them know. So, so you, you talked about the kitchen. What about the bedroom or the laundry room? Or how do you organize the rest of the house? Because you know caregivers have a problem. Just staying organized and just doing the chores. You go into a lot of caregivers' homes, it's a mess. You know, the dishes are yeah. in the sink and uh, the hampers are full and overflowing and and the toilets have never been clean and they just don't have time to do all this stuff. Get me a maid, you know. What's your solution? Again, right, I did. I had 18. And we've had, we haven't had 18 living at, the, at home at once, but we've had 11 or 12 many times. So... Oh, and for several years, okay. yeah, I know, it was really easy. What we did, <laughs> because because we had a volume, we do family Costco style, you know, the yeah. bedrooms were only for sleeping. They had beds and dressers. Mm. It was a place where kids could get some space by themselves, but when four kids are sharing a room, you can't, all, four people can't get time to themselves right. in the same time by 12 space. So yeah, bunk beds bedrooms, and stuff. Yep, we did. We were very uh, organized about how it was set up. Also, mm-hmm. we kind of adopted more of a, well, we are minimalist now, but when the kids were younger even, more of a minimalist. You can't have six backpacks a kid, but you can have yeah. one or two. Okay, so you really have to make decisions on what things you want to keep and what things are really not serving you. So the first thing I would recommend for people who are overwhelmed is to uh, take the time or get the help in getting rid of the things that are not serving them well. So minimize a little streamline. The other thing is you write the list of the three things you want to do, dishes, laundry, whatever's piling up, what what are the pain points. And then if those become overwhelming within themselves, then it's, well, what's the system that can make that easier? Because the maid is not always that possibility. <laughs> I would love that. Send one my way, too. 
But, uh, you know, the laundry room, it was everybody had color-coded laundry baskets. I know most people don't have this many people to caretake for. Mm-hmm. But really, it was just streamlining every single situation to reduce it to the smallest amount of items that we needed to accomplish that and then to have a system that was really streamlined to then mm-hmm. follow through. Yeah. And that was it. It's not hard. But when you're in that space of overwhelm and piling up, that's very stressful and anxious and overwhelming and can cause depression and a lot of different things. So, again, I made the list of three things that were the most important the next day, and that was my focus. And that was it. The other stuff Mm -hmm. just had to wait. I think when you start getting into that routine, things don't tend to pile up. Yeah. We have one more minute till break, but you have a husband too, right? Do. How, does, great how does he fit into this equation? Uh, how does he have room to fit into this organized plan? He has his own space <laughs> and his own stuff. I mean, he has his own checking account. I think autonomy is super important in a relationship. You know, we He's organized have, too, right? He, you he is not he, as organized as I am, I'd have to say. Do no, you drive no. him crazy with all your organization? No. Or, or he Actually, no. I don't even think he tolerates it. I think he has a great appreciation for not having to worry about certain things stressing him out. Right. I work from home, so part of my job is taking care of the house. <laughs> he, he works a very physical job and a lot of hours, right. so I don't expect him to do the same amount of work within the house that I do. But he uh-huh. carries his weight well, and he picks up after himself. What, what's the age range of the kids? Well, we have 13 of them are um, what I call permanent residents because we have papers right. on them. Right. So they're the ones that were adopted or biological. And right. they range from 28 to 10. But of those 13, 12 were born in 10 years, and then we have an eight-year gap. So, yeah, we have two or three of a couple, many different ages. So, And then of those five other kids that were the ones that aged out with us in foster care, they're anywhere from 33, 33 mm-hmm. 31, 28, 27. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, most of our kids and, now are adults. But. And, the ki- and the from the 10-year-old on up, do they help you with chores and things or? Yeah. Really yeah, we had a tour wheel. No, you we did. had a tour wheel. Everybody helped. Um, you know, older kids shadow younger kids, so if one needs to read for 30 minutes and one needs to be read to for 30 minutes, then that's a good oh, combination. And I, and I think I started this pretty early on, which was fortunate. Not that you can't jump in at any point, but I started this whole doing foster care and having a big family, you know, they usually came one at a time, but I got very used to having large numbers very quickly. Yeah. And it was just how we did things in our house. There, mm-hmm. You don't get paid for chores. We're all helping out. And so, yeah, they were, they're all on chores, okay. but we did them together and I try to make things cool. as fun as possible because we don't, nobody likes doing, I don't mm-hmm. like doing chores. So we try to make them <laughs> things a game. And we paired kids up to do chores, and, you know, you just get it done. You get it done because then you get to do yeah. fun stuff. Amen to that. Hold on. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. 
Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life 2 today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life 2 is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Discover the world's largest anti-aging organization, Life Extension. For the best information, vitamins, and supplements, you just can't beat Life Extension. To start extending your life, go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Life Extension banner. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose rentacar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the Rent-A-Car banner. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting caregiverdave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to caregiverdave.com and join now. Remember, get positive emotions at www.healthylife.net. We're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nassani with my lovely co-host Adrian Gruberg, and we're talking to the Naked Podcaster, mom of 18, yeah, 18, and we're talking about how a caregiver can get organized, how they can de-stress, just how they can be a better caregiver, you know. And talking about stress, let's let's talk about how to de-stress. Um, you have ways, right? Uh, stress is the number one killer. You know, 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones, and they believe that it's because of the stress. They don't know how to handle things. They don't know how to put their needs first. They don't know how to ask for help. They don't know how to have boundaries in their life. Just They do so many things wrong. They make so many mistakes. Take that away. I love that. And I think the word self-care gets kind of overused or it's uh, derogatory. It's not a spa day once a year that your kids gave you as a gift certificate on Mother's Day. That's not what it is. It's not getting your nails done. It's doing – it's the theory of compound interest, and I think everything's based off the theory of compound interest. It's small daily actions that add up over time, and that's it. So – Again, you have to decide what you like. I love bubble baths. Love them. Mm. 
That's my thing. It doesn't have to be anybody else's thing, but that's my thing. Calgon, take me away, right? Take me freaking away, right. So for me, I need to. I just know that if I take a bubble bath a couple times a week, I'm like, I'm good. I, I love to read, so I have a Kindle, and I download books, and I read them. Cool. So first, you have to recognize what things lower your stress, what things feed your soul, what things mm-hmm. make you feel better. And then those are the things that you have to capitalize on. So mine aren't going to be someone else's, which is great. It makes us all unique. But recognizing what they are and then actually doing them, that's self-care. And some of that, again, is putting it on the calendar and making yourself a priority. And I think that for caregivers, that can be something that's really, really difficult. So if you share something more than once, then it might be important. So prioritize yourself and, and schedule that time for yourself. But really, you have to figure out what it is for you. Oh, for I, me, it was yeah. for me it was actually assigning a specific time and committing mm-hmm. to that time. Um, otherwise, and that way, the people that I was taking I was taking care of my husband and my mother-in-law at the same time. They knew when it was my time. Yeah, and I would let them know I'm here, but leave me alone unless it's an emergency. Yeah. And they would, but it it had to be scheduled yes. regularly in order for them to become accustomed to it. And we talked about that earlier. I said setting boundaries, which is so important. And Dave, I know that that's yeah. been important in your life too. Setting the yeah. boundaries, yeah. and whether it's time and you can do whatever you want. I'm not a night person, so my kids know if you're quiet. I'm in bed at nine. If you're mm-hmm. quiet, not interrupting anyone, you don't have to go to sleep, but you do have to respect the people that want to be asleep. If you come into my room because you've had a nightmare, you know, there's an injury. So if something has happened, you can wake me up and there will never be a repercussion. But it is ER duty at that point. And you're saying the same thing, Adrian. You're saying, you know, this is my time. You can decide what yeah. to do with it on a day-to-day basis, but you're setting that boundary and allowing that time, and you're on ER duty at that point. And that, I mean, that was me at 9 p.m. I'm ER duty. Right, mm-hmm. and the, and there's no no bad blood about that because an emergency is an emergency. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you've turned 50. What are the implications of that? A lot of people think, oh, I'm forgetting things now, and my memory's going. Um, for example... <laughs> That's when things start to break down. Oh, though. now he tells me. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> For example, I hate to put you on the spot. Okay. I hate to put you on the spot. I have seven grandchildren, and I've got to really process to when they say, "Oh, what are their names?" And I'll, you know, okay. Uh, can you just rattle off your eighteen uh, kids' names? Can you? I'm just curious. If you can, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I can. Go ahead. Um, Andrea, Casey, Christopher, Sierra, Lily, Brianna, Olivia, Isaiah, Alana, Gabriel, <laughs> uh, Nicholas, Taylor, Ashley, Gabby, Abby, Kezia, Samuel, and Taven. Now, what yeah. what system did you do to memorize those? Because are they in a certain order? Are they in alphabetical yep. order? Are they in age order? Yep. What? They're in age <laughs> order. They're, so I I gave you first the five kids that aged out with us. So okay. those five extra kids that were with me really long term that that we count as family, and then I went down the other thirteen from oldest to youngest. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to take another break because we went a little over on the last break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about how the kids have turned out. I mean, 
I have some kids, <laughs> and um, you know, sometimes kids don't turn out exactly the way you want them to, and that's okay because they're individuals. But sometimes, you know, kids or grandkids um, are go down the wrong path, and now they're in trouble, and now they're, you know, nobody would want their kid in in jail or on drugs or whatever. So we'll talk about that when we get back. So don't go away. Guilt, fear, loneliness, burnout. These are just some of the things caregivers feel. But now there's hope. CaregiverDave.com is a membership website with an understanding community designed around supporting you. With a little perspective, planning, and practical help, you can become a thriving caregiver. Start by visiting CaregiverDave.com. Get weekly calls, practical solutions, and free resources. Plus, when you sign up, you'll get a 30-minute coaching call free. Don't wait. Go to CaregiverDave.com and join now. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Reclaim your caregiver sanity with Dave Nassani's book, It's My Life Too. Caring for someone with an illness or condition who is expected to live for a relatively long period of time is a specific and unique challenge. This book pinpoints the needs and strategies a caregiver must do for themselves in order to survive, thrive, and make caregiving a rewarding, gratifying experience. So get your copy of It's My Life Too today or buy one for your special caregiver. It's My Life Too is available at Amazon.com and CaregiverDave.com. Get high-quality glasses, sunglasses, and prescription lenses at eyeglasses.com. Choose from over 250,000 items and 400 brands. Already have frames? Get replacement lenses. It's easy. Go to our advertiser page and click eyeglasses.com. One arm, one leg. 100 Words by Dave Nassani is the book that helps you overcome and perhaps even prevent the hardships associated with strokes. Dave takes you on his journey and experience with his own wife, Charlene, a stroke survivor. This book tells you everything about strokes to help you and your loved ones survive without making costly mistakes that may save a life or a brain from irreparable damage. One arm, one leg, 100 words. The book is available on Amazon.com or order it from fine bookstores everywhere. When you need a positive point of view, turn to HealthyLife.net, your 24-7 radio network for a better future. Hey, we're back the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nassani, Adrian Gruberg, and our guest, Jen Taylor. So, how are the 18 kids? Are they all doctors, lawyers, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers? What are they? They are, first of all, they are amazing. They're really, really amazing. Oh, that's good. Uh, now you must be an amazing parent. I was a great parent, and I know why I was a great parent, and so that's a separate question. But my kids, that doesn't mean if you said, if you was like, hey, Jen, how are you doing today? And I'm like, I'm amazing. How are the kids? They're great. <laughs> that doesn't mean, like, I can guarantee uh, on almost every day there's someone that's struggling. 
I almost every day there's an issue that comes up. There's 18 kids. So, again, that's mm-hmm. a volume business, right? So there's always stuff that's coming up and going on, and they have their struggles. I can't think of a certain adult that I know outside of my kids that hasn't gone through a struggle or made a mistake or stumbled a little or gotten a ticket for, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they're not any um, better or worse off than anyone else. They Most of them are adults living their own lives. Um we, I am very close with almost all of them. And the couple that I'm not as close to, I would like to be closer to. But some of them are um, distant physically. I have a daughter in South Africa. Um, and some of them are distant because that's a decision emotionally. They kind of are more, they come in and out when they need to. But actually, they're all doing wonderful. I, I don't have doctors or, or lawyers or... Were there any, and stop me if I'm asking too personal or too embarrassing questions, but are there any that, (laughs) you are the naked cat podcaster, are there any whose personalities just clashed with you, or were there any that you think got the short end of the stick, you know, because some people go through a divorce and say, oh, you know, that one, uh, you know, really suffered because that was when we separated and we were having a hard time and we were counseling and this and that. Any instances like that? Absolutely. I did get a divorce. My daughter, who's 28 now, was 12 at the time, and she definitely, I don't know that I would say, and this is her story, but in my opinion, I don't think that she took the divorce necessarily harder than the other kids. That wasn't necessarily her struggle, but what was her struggle was that she became a lot more responsible a lot more quickly, and she understood nuances that younger kids did not. So Definitely, mm-hmm. she got the worst end of the stick. Having said that, at the same time that was happening, she was also in school, and she, she tested so far ahead of her grade that in 7th and 8th grade, she took college classes in history and English. So I paid for and brought her to and sat outside the door because she was a minor. She was 12 and 13 at the time. And she mm-hmm. took two years of college classes in history and English. So although at the time her life was really more difficult than any other kids and she got hit harder, there were all of these blessings that she got that none of the other yeah. kids got as well. So I silver think that's about, yeah, there were a lot of silver linings. Um, but I would mm. love to have spared her from that. And you mentioned that yeah. I have a son who's autistic. And... Autism is a really interesting thing. It takes more time, effort, manpower, outside help. Um, the the person who's autistic thinks it's everybody else, and mm-hmm. everyone else knows that that's not the case. And so with they were him, homeschooled. Homeschooled also. No, he was not homeschooled. I, I homeschooled right. 15 years ago, and I'm doing it again now. But I did not homeschool him. Um, I didn't homeschool for a chunk of about 15 years. So. The the thing with that is that I know that he took so much more time effort. I'm that's not a put down. It's just a reality. And there were times yeah. when that took so much more time. It it took a lot of time away. He was more time than like eight other kids combined, you right. know, or ten other kids wow. combined. He doesn't yeah. see it that way. He he would tell you he's always <laughs> been slighted. But the rest of us know because he's autistic and he has his own way of coming right. to decisions, right? So the rest of us know, and some of the kids have said, that they would have liked to have had more of my time and attention that they know was delegated to their brother. Again, that is not a put-down to that child 
at no. all. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault. It was with no malicious intent. It just was the situation. That doesn't mean that they don't want more time with their mom because they see and feel that he is consuming a lot of it. So mm-hmm. I know that they learned a lot about patience and a lot about sharing and a lot about compassion. Again, it's a, there's a lot of silver lining in that, but it would have been great if I could have balanced that a little bit better. Um, autism is like a lot of caregiving situations. It's more ER duty than the other kids. So other things can be put off because they're not urgent. And that's unfortunate to those, to those kids, you know. So, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. I don't look back with You're... no regrets at, or wish I couldn't have done things better just because I think I, – I know that I did things really well. That doesn't mean that I don't wish I could have done some things better. So you're a normal, you know, parent, a normal person. Everybody <laughs> makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And the reason I ask this is because a lot of caregivers feel so guilty about their kids, you know, because mm-hmm. the kids have to become a little adults, little caregivers. Hey, uh, help me change grandma's bedpan. Hey, right. you know, let's uh, uh, change a diaper or this and that. And a lot of kids resent that and uh, parents are afraid that their kids are going to be ruined by that. What would you say to these parents who just feel like, uh, you know, they've taken on the responsibility of taking care of grandma or whoever and wished that their kids didn't have to be exposed to it, although they are glad that the kids are involved in it because it's, it is a good thing for kids to see how you treat your elders because get good news when you get older <laughs> and you need care Chances are that's how you will be treated. So what do you have to say about that? And also, um, you know, how uh, out of 18 siblings, there might just be one that is nominated to be your caregiver for whatever reason. Maybe, uh, well, you talk about the reasons. Proximity, maybe. (laughs) Right. Maybe it's proximity, Uh, but it's more than that, too. Of course. I think when you take on a situation of caregiving, and I did that with foster kids and adoption, and, you know, I mean, there were a lot of reasons that I took that on, um, you're always going to feel that way. You're always going to feel this tremendous sense of being thankful that the kids get to experience it and feeling sorry that the kids get to experience it. And there's no way around it, and both of them are totally justified. I think most of my kids probably – don't want huge families because they grew up in one and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to, you don't need to, I didn't expect 18 kids, you know, that's completely fine. I know that the things that they disliked about the situation, they have learned a lot about themselves faster than other people and they don't have to do it any one particular way. So I love what you said about they're the caretakers of the future though. I I had an experience once when I had five or six or seven, I don't know, I was going into a grocery store, I had a lot of kids with me, and a man walked out with one little boy, and he was berating this little boy, and he flicked him in his ear, and I smiled at him. And he looked at me, and he said, you know exactly how it feels. And I said, oh, no, I was thinking that you're teaching him how to take care of you later on. And I just kept walking. Amen. Yeah, I do know what the frustration is in caretaking. I do. I do know that. But I know that how you treat that person, especially the child in the situation, you're teaching them exactly how to take care of you later on. It was it was a, not a happy show of that parent to that child um, right. in public. It was, it was awful. So I was more than happy to 
you know, reply in yeah. kind to his comment. <laughs> um, I have chosen, you know, I have a couple people as far as my list of who's in charge of me. And interestingly, my 28-year-old is the, other than my husband, she's first in line. And not because she's the oldest, because she is the most analytical personality of all of my kids. She knows how to get things done and get the paperwork done and what makes sense. And she comes at things initially from a non-emotional. If I had to give her everything I belonged and said, figure out a way to to split this between all the kids, it would go off without a hitch. (laughs) And because she was the oldest biological in this family and the kids that were older than her were brought in, she was, she was first in the family. So she was already there when they came into the home. She kind of definitely fell into that lead role in personality and in just placement. And she would be able to get it all done. She she knows how to navigate the personalities and sit people. No, you sit there. No, we're, this is how we're doing it. And she would be able to navigate that. But she's not the only one of the kids because, you know, Olivia's 24 and she's got more compassion. And so I just think I have so many different personalities, but they – my kids work well together because they were raised to work well together for the most part. Yeah. Five of them share a house together, you know, so they rent a house together and live together. Um, two mm-hmm. others do. So, I mean, really, I don't have much issue with that. I don't think any of them want to change my diapers. We've kind of established that. But I know that I don't have to worry. If there was something that happened to me, I don't have to worry about, being put in a good place and being well taken care of and all of that being navigated well. So I yeah. taught them that. I, I can't believe we've run out of time, and I, I even <laughs> ask you how your husband feels about having 18 kids, but we'll have to save that for another time, unless you can say it in five seconds. He loves it. Good. Short sentence. He loves it. There you uh, go. How can we get a hold of you if people want to learn more or maybe they want you to teach them how to be a better parent? Absolutely. Mom of 18 is momof18.com has everything. It has a way to contact me, but it has my email, which is easier. It uh, has all my social media, and I love connecting and being asked questions and collaborating. So please reach out. And Adrian is at uh, thecaregiverspace.org, and she has a Facebook page with the same name, except for the .org, and I'm (laughs) caregiverdave.com. And come on and get some free stuff. We've got some free stuff on there, caregiverdave.com. And just thank you again for you all coming on, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.